Hello and welcome to episode 102 of the Ego Chat Podcast. My name is Preston Byers and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Justin Binkowski. And on today's episode, we finally have some information about the Call of Duty Challengers circuit in 2024 and we'll get into all of that shortly. And we also have matches in the Call of Duty League after nearly a month away we are finally back watching CDL matches and covering them and giving more predictions at the end of this show. Uh, but before we do any of that, how are you doing, Bank? I'm doing all right. Pretty bittersweet night tonight with the Steelers season coming to an end. But at the same time, at least the Eagles didn't win. So I guess uh, I'll, I'll take that trade off there. But yeah, other than that, it was a pretty action-packed weekend to COD. And uh, we got some stuff to talk about. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know the feeling about having a, a very excruciating loss uh, this weekend in the playoffs. Definitely not. I did, definitely didn't go to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings and watch my beloved Cleveland Browns get embarrassed by a rookie quarterback. Um, so I, I wouldn't know that feeling. So we're just going to get right into COD um, right now. Um, the first uh, order of business, challengers, finally some kind of announcement, some kind of acknowledgement that this actually kind of exists in the universe. Um, this week, uh, or I believe it was today, um, which was the this 15th, we're doing this um, in the early morning of uh, January 16th, but on the 15th, um, the Call of Duty League announced that a challenger circuit is actually happening um, and that there will be tournaments this season, uh, online cups, and two, at least two, uh, challengers open events. Um, so 11 cups, two opens, uh, one at the Boston Breach Major, which is the first major of the season, and then a third at the Toronto Ultra Major, which is the third major of the season. Uh, the Miami Heretics uh, uh, co-founder and co-owner he said that, um, I don't have his name off the top of my head, but he said that um, they are also working on a Challengers event as well. Um, his name, Arnau Vidal, uh, he is the founder and co-owner of Heretics. And he said, um, in a response to Jacob Hale, said, this is not correct. We are working on a Challengers tournament um, as well. So we could potentially have three Challengers open events uh, which is, you know, better than two. Um, and I, I think I got the date wrong on um, when this stuff was announced, but my brain has been fried and just kind of all over the place. But um, still, we have 11 Cups, two Opens, three Elite Seasons, and then the season will finish with the Challengers Finals, which will invite 16 teams to the, you know, Call of Duty World Championship uh, for the Challengers Circuit. Um, so that should be a fun event as well. Um, your thoughts on this, because that was actually one of the, the topics that we discussed last week on the show, um, that there had been no acknowledgement or no uh, public announcement about what was happening with challengers and how it basically left all of these amateur players in a sort of limbo. So now that it has finally been announced, there, are, there is an actual format. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think two two open tournaments is probably a little disappointing for a lot of people in the community if Miami is able to host it and it's three. Um, I think that's a little more acceptable because then it's essentially just one less tournament than the CDL, um, which, you know, I don't think that's the end of the world. Obviously, it's not like they're going to open at each CDL event too, but only having one less is just a lot better than having two less. So, um 
the other main takeaway or talking point we had last week was how seating and stuff would work for this first event uh, coming up in a couple weeks. And uh, the CDL announced that it will be seated by a combination of the 2024 Cup 1 points, which the first Cup of the Challenger season is taking place this weekend, January 20th and 21st. Um, so it'll be those points plus 10% of each player's 2023 Challenger points. Um, so kind of what 10%, I mean, I, I don't know like the top players totals or anything off the top of my head. Um, but, um, I did mention last episode that the way the challenger scene works and operates without a lot of teams having contracts and stuff could lead to roster changes, especially, um, if there's some situations where if a, a set of three guys makes a last minute roster change to get somebody with more pro points and that pushes them into, uh, you know, a better bracket spot or something like that for the tournament. Some, some situations like that might arise, um, especially if we're taking factoring in uh, points from last season, but then you have situations where, um, you know, one team that we've talked a lot about with uh, the, the squad of Bants, Hixie, Nasty, and Beans, I believe, um, all those guys were in the pro league last year, not challengers. So how many points do they get? Because they don't technically have challengers points, but they should have, you know, some quote unquote points for being in CDL. I, I, I don't know how that would work, but um, yeah, definitely um, what, what we essentially were discussing last episode was just because of how late this announcement is, uh, the seating could be a little funky for this first open. And, you know, if there is only two Opens this year, it, it's definitely less than ideal to have essentially half of the regular season affected um, by a late announcement not allowing for proper time to set up a, you know, qualification and seating process. Um, sure, there will be the other Cups and Elite Seasons and other than, other than that, but, uh, you know, it's literally would essentially be a third of the land opportunities if heretics don't actually host an open. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see how it all shakes out. Um, we don't talk too much about challengers on this pod, but you know, maybe we'll have a little more to talk about now, um, with the first cup coming up this weekend. And, you know, like I said, maybe some last minute roster moves for teams trying to get, uh, better positioning and seating for the, first open of the year on the challenger side of things but yeah overall i think it was just a long time coming uh for people waiting for any tidbit of information while it seemed like there was sentiment around people being disappointed in um a lot of the announcements that i mean at the end of the day this is better than nothing there, there was definitely a possibility where uh you know with game battles shutting down and stuff like that like they could have just easily said, yeah, the challenge is done. We're, we're not even going to worry about it. We're just going to focus on the CDL. So, um, although it, it's not what people might have been hoping for, not as beneficial or as, uh, you know, wide in scope or as many tournaments, however you want to phrase it, you know, some people might have been disappointed, but at the end of the day, there's at least some form of a challenger season, which is better than nothing. Yeah, of course. I, I fully agree with that. Uh, the other bit of news was that Face It will be the host of the Challengers uh, circuit. Um, obviously, with Game Battles dying, Face It is stepping in. Uh, but Face It 
uh, their anti-cheat will not be used. Um, it's more just kind of a, a logistics thing. Um, I'm sure they don't have any integration into Call of Duty or any of that kind of stuff. Um, so their anti-cheat is not going to be used at all. It'll just be all, um, what is it called, ricochet. Um, so any COD anti-cheat that will um, be the extent of it. Um, as far as challengers goes, which I, I'm sure uh, people will be disappointed by, but um, likely not surprised by. Uh, so face it, running challengers this season, and then we'll see how things go. Um, we don't know what the future of the CDL is or future of the, the challenger scene definitely is after this season. Um, but that is something uh, to keep an eye on as we progress through the year to see if any challengers players have issues with the face it um, program or the, the platform. Um, moving forward, which will be, um, I'm sure, a lot of complaints. Um, one thing, it wasn't in our notes, but I, I just uh, remember seeing it was um, JCAP's series of tweets. I don't know if you saw this, um, but he was kind of having a back and forth with other members of the community um, about the validity of challengers as a profession. Um, so to speak his first tweet was I would love to have open events back but people need to be realistic when it comes to challengers it's meant to be path to pro not a long-term living the NBA G League has an average salary of $40,000 what do people expect when hosting an event is a guaranteed loss of money um, he had a bunch of other jobs uh, or an, a bunch of other tweets about exactly like you know the idea that there are people in challengers that necessarily are expecting more um you know they they expect more stability um they expect more lands and events and all of that um i don't know if you had if you saw that or if you had any thoughts on that because i thought it was interesting obviously jcap a multiple time world champion one of the best call of duty players of all time uh, and also a head coach for a cdl team with um, some former challengers players um, on his team. Um, so I, I was wondering if you had any kind of opinion on his opinions. Um, I, the one that I saw, um, is I'm he, for it now. he had this, uh, this Harden, uh, uh this, uh, Tom Brady. I, I saw well, that one, yeah. yeah. He said, uh, um, Brady went to Harden's office and whined. So this was a, a story. Um, and Brady said, I'm never going to get my chance. They're only giving me two reps. Harden simply replied, just go out there and focus on doing the best you can with those two reps. Make them as perfect as you possibly can. And Jcap said, replace reps with lands. And this is my message to Challengers players. The one I saw too was, um, I, I don't know who, um, but somebody posted to the initial one you read with the G League average salary and but it's at tricks plays on Twitter goes, these things are always easy to say from people that never dealt with challengers. Nobody's expecting a living wage for challengers. Have fun picking new talent from the dying challenger scene next year. And JCap, I thought this was, you know, important to note, especially for people who may not even know JCap's history or how long it is, but he, he just says, I played in the area of COD until 2015 when there were no salaries. Prize money was the only income. And I saw plenty of people who didn't win and had to quit. I just happened to win enough to make it into a career, but yeah, I can't imagine what challengers is like. 
I thought that that was an important perspective to add to it. Like, yeah, sure, J-Cap never competed in challengers, but, I mean, he definitely competed in that era a long time ago where, you know, there's the famous Ringhouse video we've mentioned of Killa. Like, look at my bank account from Miracle yeah. and all that stuff where literally they the only chance they had to make money was winning these tournaments, and, and that was it. So um, I, I, I definitely, you know, I, I like J-Cap as a player. I think he's a good coach, too. Uh, and I definitely respect his opinions and his mindset uh, when it comes to what is and isn't important for you know, Call of Duty esports and any of that stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely just a, a situation where, especially if you know, operating these tournaments is coming at a known loss. Like, you you do have to be realistic at some standpoint. And I think I did see now that you're mentioning like Adam Apicella bringing up. Uh, something too about like it being much more expensive now with the switch to PC as opposed to in the past when you had like the, the console partnerships with like Sony and stuff like it was much cheaper to have PS4s at that time um, and you know so that could play a factor in it maybe uh, you know moving forward with the Microsoft acquisition of uh, Activision being finalized maybe something down the road could be finalized where challengers at least is uh you know moving back to uh xbox console. and yeah with with microsoft could go to xbox and and that could maybe be cheaper and, and help lead to more events um but yeah i mean at, at the end of the day that's really my head space on challengers is i i definitely think it's important we've talked at length on this podcast in the past about how much I, I know, I'm pretty sure you agreed with me when I said it, but, you know, long time ago talking about all of the teams needing to have a challengers team. So it's essentially like a minor league affiliate similar yeah. to what, you know, baseball and stuff like that. Um, but it just seems with the current state of not only Call of Duty esports, but esports as a whole that um, that's kind of a pipe dream at this point. And now just whatever we're able to get out of challengers, uh, kind of got to roll with the punches and, and do what you can, like, you know, not to, for, for lack of a better term, like, you get these two opportunities on land, you don't want to mess it up, especially if, um, you know, that's really the, the only opportunities you're going to have to showcase your talent and potentially uh, be graded on that for um, having an opportunity to join the CDL the following season, like, that just intensifies the importance of those events. And obviously with this first event coming up and the seeding situation and all that we've already talked about, definitely not ideal conditions for challengers, especially nope. if they're having these limited opportunities. And one of those opportunities is uh, potentially, you know, have, having less than ideal circumstances for qualifications, yada, yada. I, I feel like a broken record at this point. But um, yeah, I mean, it's... it's doesn't seem like a secret that people aren't happy with the challenges announcement. I mean, people aren't really happy in the Call of Duty community all the time anyways, but uh, in this case, it's definitely, you know, some disappointment around this, but I do feel like, you know, what was announced is better than nothing, which if there was some announcement that, you know, said, like, we will not have a challengers season for 2024, and I, I wouldn't have been surprised if that happened at this point with just the lack of information we had up until this point. So, anything is better than that possibility uh, is it the best system and you know most ideal circumstances for these up-and-coming talents no um but again better than nothing in my eyes 
Yeah, definitely, definitely better than nothing. Um, definitely just having something. And if it is two or three open events and you know, nearly a dozen cups, um, and then, you know, obviously challengers finals at the end of the year, that is something it's not a it's not a big step down from what they've had you know the last year or two anyway um so it's not like we really are missing a bunch um from you know the standard that has been set uh, at, with, with the cdl era of challengers um you know i won't belabor the point because i think we do need to move on um shortly but i do just want to say um like whatever we can do as a community to make challengers more accept, uh, accessible and cheaper for the organizers and the players um, and the organizations that might be sponsoring or fielding teams at these challengers events. Um, that's what we need to do. So if that is, you know, having Xbox, um, you know, almost like sponsor an event, essentially, where, you know, there's a hundred and, you know, 180 Xboxes in the pit. And that's something that we can have instead of 180 PCs, which is, I'm sure, a lot more expensive. Um, and, and also just like, I, I don't know, you'd have to go through like a third party. Whereas if you're with Microsoft, you can just kind of do it through Xbox and just call it a day. Um, and it's a lot easier to replace an Xbox than it is a PC, um, at least in my experience. Um, but I, I think there's such a use for challengers. Um, I don't know what the exact percentage of the league is, but it's a considerable portion of the league is made up of X challengers players um, whether they were pros and then they went to challengers and they're back into the cdl or they had never debuted um, for the cwl or the cdl and they started in challengers and have kind of worked their way up to a cdl roster um, it's a it's a not an insignificant percentage of the cdl player base um, which i think is just a testament to the to the idea that we do need uh, challengers or some kind of path to pro um Last point I'll make is I actually think that the CDL and esports is in general, not just Call of Duty, but every esports scene would actually benefit much more from uh, integrating itself with collegiate athletics um, because that actually gives players a backup plan. Um, what Jcap was saying was, you know, this is not a full-time job, and I do agree with that. I don't know how some of these players keep doing it where year after year they're grinding away and they are likely never going to be a CDL pro or never going to make a significant amount of money to kind of recoup the, lo recoup the losses that they have essentially um, endured just by trying to grind through challengers all these years. Um, the best way, in my opinion, to kind of offset that is to have college athletics be a part of call of duty esports um what we had with the college cod league where guys would literally go to these schools enroll in the programs and then they would also play on the the uh college um their their call of duty team i think that's something that would work really well uh, of course that gets abused as we see in traditional sports where guys transfer you know four or five times in their careers um and they're just hopping to the next best team but the, the vast majority of players don't do that. You know, if you look at a college football roster, a lot of the guys are probably not transferring at all. They're just there playing football or playing basketball, and then they're just going to graduate and go on with their lives. They just want to play that sport until they can't, and then, you know, get a degree while they're at it. Um, and I think that would be the best course of action for uh, Call of Duty and esports as a whole, um, just because it's not an athletics thing, uh, you know, like, 
I don't know if you call this, you know, sports or athletics. I don't really care about any of that stuff, but the competition aspect of it, and you can go to school and get a degree and just kind of continue on with your prospective professional career while also not completely abandoning whatever kind of education you might be able to get. Um, I think that would be the best case scenario for everybody. Um, and it would be the best, you know, backup plan. And the the CDL and Activision, they wouldn't really have to deal very much with that. It would be more on the NCAA, which is its own can of worms or whoever wants to um, you know oversee that uh, I know there's been a lot of collegiate League of Legends players that have kind of worked their way up through like the the uh, LCS or um, the lower level of um, you know the developmental leagues and stuff in League of Legends um, so maybe that is something that could happen uh, down the line but um, that's that's probably asking a lot and probably not gonna happen at least anytime soon. Um, any other thoughts before we move in and actually get into the matches from the last week? Uh, yeah, let's get All right, so we're just going to kind of breeze through uh, some of these because we didn't actually have a ton of upsets or uh, huge surprises. We did have a few, uh, but the first day was Friday, January 12th. We had three matches. Um, first series, pretty uh, straightforward, at least in terms of the final result. 3-0 Atlanta phase over LAG, something we both expected um what stood out to you in this match yeah um it's kind of similar to some of the matches we saw earlier in the season where it was a 3-0 series count but some of the individual maps were close um this one in particular the hard point was 20 point score 250 to 230 and uh the control was 3-2 we've seen a lot of 3-2 controls especially on invasion uh where uh, you know, it's just five defensive round wins. LAG was almost able to win an offense in the round five on control, but they just weren't able to quite, you know, punch it across the finish line there. Um, so uh, Atlanta gets the 3-0 sweep, but, you know, it definitely was probably closer in some of the individual maps than some people might have expected just based on the names and the franchises. Um, the, the big one to me, uh, Brian stats one on Twitter tweeted after this one, uh, that Stampin' Abizi won their 100th career league match in this one. They have a record of 127 as a duo in league matches since Black Ops 4. That just seems absolutely absurd to me. Uh, now... It does, I, I think, because there are, like, more league matches and maybe, like, it's counting some of the online home series from uh, MW 2019. I'm not sure exactly what it's counting about, but, you know, uh, according to Brian's stats on Twitter, um, that is apparently the record in league matches, and that just seemed absurd to me. Yeah, I mean, they're the greatest duo in terms of longevity that we've seen because most teams or most you know players did not stick with their team uh, or together for multiple years and this is you know four or five years in a row where they have not been away from each other since simp has been a pro he has been a busy's teammate um, which is an incredible stat and obviously if you're I believe they've gotten the number one seed at champs every single year of the CDL so far. Um, so that that adds up uh, relatively quickly um, in terms of wins and especially a, a very impressive win-loss record um, for FaZe and for these guys in particular. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't have any 
other thoughts on that match. Um, of course, the end result is, is something we expected, maybe not how we got there, but a 3-0 for Atlanta phase nonetheless. Next up, Seattle versus Toronto. Um, I was interested in seeing this match simply because it kind of would give me a good gauge because Toronto had lost their last match before the break um, to the Boston Breach, I believe. Um, maybe that was, I think it was Boston. Um, but they lost that last match and Seattle had had a very good first week and then not a not so great uh, second week. It, kind of seeing where these two teams match up um, turned into a 3-0 for the Toronto Ultra, um, which I, I actually wasn't expecting. I figured Seattle um, would take a map or something, um, but it was a nearly 100-point hard point win, a 6-0 on search, which is by far the most surprising result of this series, and then another 3-2 invasion control, like you just said. Um, did, did that 6-0 search, Karachi search, um, Abuza dropped 0 on it, uh, and Kleenex and Insight both go 8-1. and one. Did that surprise you as much as it surprised me? Um... I mean, you got a team with Illy on it. You you don't really expect them to get six would too often, but um, could have just been a situation here where kind of like you were saying, Toronto uh, was out for blood and and trying to fix some mistakes that potentially happened in that Boston series before the break and all that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess anytime you see a team that you know you think on paper has some strong S and D players, which you know you consider that with Seattle um a, a 6-0 is going to stand out but yeah at the end of the day it, it just it happens and um Toronto was able to capitalize there um I'm not sure if this has anything to do with it but um I don't know if you've been seeing all of the GA stuff about how the punishment is no practice or no warm-ups um, and Seattle was kind of involved in that, if I'm not mistaken, with Abuza and potentially bringing uh, or uh, breaking the single tap GA. So I don't know if that came into effect here, if they weren't able to warm up against other CDL teams or able to practice. Um, but if it is, then it would be a punishment, it seems, if because they started out really slow and then you know they did have a, a pretty competitive third map. But those first two maps um, were not very close at all. Um, next, the final match of Friday, Minnesota versus New York. Um, I, I mean, neither one of us expected <laughs> the defending world champions to lose to the winless Minnesota rocker at this point. Um, but that first map, 250 to 188, Minnesota wins terminal hard point. And then, I, I mean, you gotta, I mean, even if you're in New York and you're like, well, we're, the defending world champions were still one of the best teams in the world, if not the best. I feel like you just got to sweat a little bit, be like, all right, like, let's pick it up, guys. I can't be losing by 62 points to the rocker on hard point. Um, but they, they locked it in right after that. Uh, one search, uh, a sweep on control, um, high rise control, and then a 47 point win on invasion hard point to close out the series. Um, were you, you know, like, Kind of what are your thoughts on that? Because Minnesota, you know, I wouldn't take them as a, a huge hard point team, but to come out and beat New York map one is, is a pretty big surprise. Yeah, at the same time, I'm, I'm scrolling really quick through the results that I have typed up, and I don't think 
So New York did play Terminal Hardpoint against Optic, and Optic won that. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not seeing Terminal in any other other matches. So there is a world where the vetoes worked out to Minnesota having the map one pick there and it being Terminal somehow. Maybe New York pick being Team B or something like that. You know, just speculation. I don't know. Um, but there is a world where that worked out, and that was somehow Minnesota's map pick, and then they're not really sweating it if yeah. know, maybe that's just not their pick, and then they're able to win after that. Uh, just I guess just playing devil's advocate, but not taking anything away from from Minnesota, especially the way things were working out for them uh, before this. Taking a map there uh, was definitely surprising, and you know, kind of was eye opening to me. And then after that, New York turned up and able to take care of business but uh you know especially if if you look at the three matches uh for this day you know lag atlanta seattle toronto and minnesota new york if you were to tell me one of those is going to be a 3-0 i probably would have said the new york minnesota was most likely you know especially the way lag played uh against some of their other opponents early on probably you know if they took a map against phase i wouldn't have been super surprised and seattle toronto kind of like you said and probably expecting Toronto to win, but maybe Seattle takes a map. So, um, you know, credit to Minnesota for at least getting one on the board there. Yeah, and, and to your to your point with Terminal uh, Hardpoint, and uh, specifically, um, so far New York is six and three in Hardpoint. Two of those losses are on Terminal, the other on Subbase. Um, so they haven't lost a map on Invasion, Karachi, or Skid Row. And then when you look at Minnesota, um, they are four and five in hard point and they're two and oh on terminal so half of their hard point map wins are on that map of course super small sample size but at least the early returns do say that terminal might be one of minnesota's stronger hard point maps and one of new york's weaker hard point maps but you know even these teams uh, unless they're just not practicing uh, certain maps at all which is a strategy to not waste time and just know that you're going to auto veto something um, but if that's not the case these teams have to figure out what they're good at and for new york this is kind of a low risk proposition because minnesota is not a good team they can kind of see what they have on terminal or other maps and kind of test it out it's something atlanta phase has done in the years past where especially later in the season they will just try out maps that they don't stereotypically play uh, or are very are not very good at um, and they just kind of want to get a feel for how they will be on that map, especially later in the season when you do have to kind of broaden that map pool um, and be ready for some of the better teams that might expand their own map pool. So uh, maybe that was, uh, you know, some kind of calculus in there, but um, New York wins 3-1 regardless. Um, that moves us into Saturday, January 13th, where we had four matches, um, a, a few entertaining ones, the first and last, uh, going to a game five. First match, Seattle versus Miami. Um, we both picked, uh, excuse me, I picked Seattle, you picked Miami, um, so you jinxed them, not me, um, because the Seattle Surge come out on top, winning this 3-2 um, they win the opening two maps, and then they lose a 3-2 invasion control, another 3-2 invasion control, and then get obliterated on Skid Row Hardpoint, nearly 100-point clubbed, but they rebound for a 6-4 Skid Row Search and Destroy victory. Um, so a, a little bit of ice there from Seattle with Illy dropping 11, Abuza going for 10. Um, your thoughts on this series, because 
it, it looked like it was going to be a Seattle sweep uh, potentially, and then two very strong uh, respawns from the Heretics force a game five that they're not able to close out on. Yeah, I mean, I think this kind of, you know, I wasn't really thinking about it until you mentioned it, but it could raise some valid- validity to potentially, you know, GA stuff happening previously and uh, potentially Seattle not being warmed up. But then, you know, for this match, maybe they were a little bit more prepared and, you know, able to get off to a strong start. Who can Abuza really did shine uh, in the first two maps in particular. Uh, in an uncharacteristic round five offensive win for uh, Miami on invasion control is what kind of started the hopes of a, of a reverse sweep, and the map four was very dominant out of them. Uh, but you know, kind of like we were talking about earlier, and and this kind of also raises some you know points we mentioned with the six zero against. Uh, Toronto is, you know, Seattle is able to win two S&Ds here. You expect a team with Illy, like I said earlier, to be strong in S&D. Um, so they're able to shut down the reverse sweep and, and get a win against the team that we kind of said heading into this one, both these guys were in that like fifth, sixth range in our, in our own, you know, tier list power rankings area. Um, so this, especially um, with Miami being undefeated heading into this match, this is a big win for Seattle. Was it last year that Seattle was a good S and D team, but not much else? Was it, or was it the opposite? Because it's happening I think again. It was, it was Vanguard when um, when Accuracy had all the the Iceman clutches. Yeah, I I, I seem to remember maybe they were just really bad in control or something. Uh, last year they. Uh, I can't remember what exactly what it was, but essentially this season they are looking like a below average respawn team again with a very good search and destroy um, gameplay because right now they are four and seven in hard point, two and four in control, but they are five and two in search. So that, I mean, obviously our favorite motto is SD wins championships. Um, so maybe they're able to squeak out um, a respawn here and there. And if they win both searches, it's not an issue. Um, obviously, that did not work out in their favor with Toronto having lost that search and losing both respawns um, and losing search in such a convincing uh, way. But, I mean, it, it's interesting just to see um, the disparity between respawn and search for any team, really, because we talked about it with Vegas last year. I think Atlanta phase was also very good in SD, but not as great in respawn, which I'm pretty sure was flipped from the year before where they were a very good respawn team, but they couldn't quite figure it out in search. Um, and the heretics on the other side are pretty average uh, across hardpoint and SD, but they're four and one in control. Like you said, three, two, they win offense in round five. Um, I mean, I always love the control teams, the, the teams that are very dominant in that game mode. It, it, it remains to be seen if Miami is going to actually be that team. But I, I just love that the least important match, uh, uh, least important game mode of a series. Some teams are just you know they're dead on that they they will win almost every single one i think optic was like that last year where they had like you know like a 20 and 5 control record um it, it does help but it's just interesting to see um all of these teams figure figure something out there um but yeah three two seattle uh, a big win to to finish out their week uh considering they had a, a pretty disappointing result against toronto uh boston lag up next 
Um, you picked Boston. I went with the Gorillas. I did not feel good about this pick because these two teams are kind of all over the place early in the season. At least they were before the break. Um, but it turns out LAG might actually be good a little bit. Um, they win 3-1, um, a very close opening hard point. Boston wins the search. And then a, a pretty convincing um, rest of the way for the Gorillas, a 120-point victory to close it out in hard point. Um, I mean, how much do you think that this actually is something for LAG? Because we're not really sure what to make of the breach, so to speak, because they did beat Toronto, but they haven't really had much success otherwise. So what do you make of LAG's win over Boston? Uh, this is a little more confusing after the last match of the week yeah. that we'll get to eventually, but... Um, no, I'm, I mean, it, my gut was telling me to go with LAG for this one anyway. I kind of just went with Boston because we were both uncertain about it, and I wanted to, you know, have spice up the pickums a little bit. Didn't really work out in my favor, but... <laughs> Um, you know, I I think outside of Boston's win against uh, Toronto, LAG wasn't getting the wins, but were looking competitive and more competitive in individual maps than people definitely expected. I mean, there was a lot of trash talk about this, the roster construction and the coaching staff and everything with LAG. Uh, so they've definitely surpassed the very, very low expectations that the community seemingly set for LAG as a squad heading into the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is just, you know, you, you face teams that are put in front of you, and, and LAG was able to get a win here that kind of was an important one, especially based on some of the tougher opponents they've faced off against and haven't been able to quite, you know, get the, the end result despite having some map wins here and there. Um Getting a series win here against anybody is important to try and avoid starting in the loser's bracket in Major 1. Uh, next match, we had Toronto versus LAT. Uh, both of us went with Toronto. Turned out to be a pretty good pick. 3-1 win for the Ultra. Uh, only map win that the Thieves got was a Round 11 Invasion Search and Destroy win in Map 2. Uh, map 3, Envoy drops 39. Scrap goes for 34. Um, in a 3-2 invasion control, um, and then they close it out big time. Yeah, it's a it's a thing. Um, but they close it out, Karaji Hardpoint. Scrap goes 29-15 and 15 to close it out. Um, so a, a big 2-0 week for Toronto. Um, uh, LAT will we'll get to their second match, um, but this was, I believe, their fourth loss, dropping to 1-4. and four. Um, Anything stand out to you in this series on either side? Uh, I mean, it's definitely a little interesting to see Toronto have that dominant 6-0 in search against a team like Seattle and then lose um, a 6-5 here to LAT. Um, it was a very nice play out of Ghosty um, where he kind of had got a, uh, a two-piece through a smoke after Toronto got first blood in the round 11. Um, and I figured they, they asked Scrappy after the game in the post-match interview um, about that that two piece situation, what happened? I it might have been a little bit of a one way, or it might not have been something funky with the smoke would have like kept Scrappy from getting uh, line of sight on him. But whatever the case may be, you know, Ghosty was able to capitalize there and and get a two piece that turned the round from a three v four in Toronto's favor to a three v two in LAT's favor, and then they were able to trade out after that and, and secure the dub. But um, yeah, I mean, outside of that, Toronto played well. Um, 
Bills looking ahead. They they got a big match this coming up week. Um, that that will get into eventually. But you know, uh, outside of the Boston hiccup for them, um, Broncos looked pretty solid in my eyes. Uh, this is just a weird stat. I don't really know how much it means or if it means anything. But in search and destroy, Scrap has a point six six KD, but he has almost the exact same damage that Kleenex does, and Kleenex leads the team in damage per round. So I, I, I mean, it. He he's pretty much five hundred in in first bloods. Uh, Scrappy is seven and six. Um, so you know he's get, getting in a lot of gunfights. So is is Kleenex. I'm at eight and eight, but I just thought that was interesting to have such a disparity between the KD and the damage um, that's being dealt. Uh, but yep, yeah, Toronto going 2-0 this week. Um, you know, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. That it is interesting to see how they beat Seattle in search, and then to lose the LAT. Um, I believe they're two and three in search this season. So uh, something to keep an eye on as we move further into the year. Uh, last match on Saturday was probably the best match of the weekend, or at least the one that a lot of people had their eyes on. Um, Optic Texas versus the Las Vegas Legion. Uh, of course, uh, heading in, neither one of these teams, um, they're kind of, you know, they're seen in different directions or seen um, in different areas of the league. Optic is always expected to be a championship contender. Not so much for the Vegas Legion, but that was not the case, at least in the first two maps of this series. Um, a nearly 120-point victory in hard point for the Legion to start off the series, then 6-3 on terminal search. Uh, at this point, you know, Legion fans getting a little hyped up, maybe a sweep of Optic, um, but that was not the, the case here. A reverse sweep for Optic as, a, uh, as they get a 3-0 high-rise control win. Uh, they get a 54-point win on terminal hard point, and then a 6-1 dominant S&D win on Invasion. So a big bounce back um, from that terminal search loss. Uh, earlier in the series so optic wins this 3-2 um, they pick up a much needed win uh, more so they they avoid a uh, a big loss that it would have been um, had they had they lost this series um, your thoughts on this um, obviously vegas may be winning champs uh, i don't know if that's dead it feels dead um, feels i feel dead. like <laughs> it feels like a clayster vegas thing not a not a purge attached thing. So um, uh, is Vegas winning pretty. champs or, or are we moving on? Very with the Paris is winning champs thing with Kismet. Technically Kismet did win champs. So maybe we're on to something. Eh, maybe, but now in all seriousness, this was one, um, you know, you definitely expect optic to win. So the first couple maps going Vegas's way is definitely, you know, eye opener especially for the green wall as we've talked about you know they expect perfection they expect wins so it's probably a little concerning but definitely a, a positive sign to see you know optic be able to regain bounce back and uh, secure the reverse sweep um another interesting stats from a stat from brian stats one on twitter again um he said before this match tonight will be attached his 70th career match against optic He's 6-26 and 43 against them. I thought that was a little off. I didn't, you know, look into it at all. But I know, especially at the start of Attach's career, like during AW when FaZe and Optic were having um, a lot of those back-and-forth grand finals appearances, that, that might be where a lot of those wins come from. But 
Um, 43 losses definitely feels like a lot to me, but, you know, he's been playing a while, so uh, I guess it makes sense. Um, but the, the second half of this year was, interestingly enough, he has beat Optic in their first matchup of the year in all four years of the CDL. And I think everyone was kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, wow, that, that's cool, but there's no shot he makes it five years, right? And then Vegas wins map one, and people are like, oh, maybe. And map two, it's like, oh, shit, this might be <laughs> happening, but it doesn't. So, yeah. um, another another interesting stat. Shout out to Brian Stats there for that. But, um, yeah, just just one. I I think you know could have got a little scary there for the green wall, but they were able to clutch up and and get the dub. You've been citing a lot of Brian Stats. Is he an assistant Eco Chow correspondent now? What's going on? Uh no, I just saw him on Twitter, and I think Breaking Point may retweet him, or I, I think the attach one was actually on the broadcast, so I saw it. So. We need like Vegas is winning champs updates, just like the weirdest, most obscure stats about the Legion. You know, like Vegas wins like ninety four percent of their matches when they play at three o'clock Eastern or something. We need we need this Brian stats. We need we need something to to keep the hope for Vegas um, because we're about to crush all of the hope um, that they have in this next match. Um, they played Atlanta to kick off um, the the Sunday matches. Um, I, I believe Temp tweeted it was weird that. Uh, Vegas ended the day on Saturday and then played the first match on Sunday, which got Jcat fired up again a little bit on Twitter, saying like NBA players they do back to backs each night, even though they always complain about it. So I don't know why COD players are any different. But Vegas Atlanta kickoff on Sunday, and Atlanta wins three zero. There was no stream, um, there was a power outage, so no stream. Uh, but still, Vegas, just for map one. yeah, just for map one. Um, but Vegas they lose three zero. And uh, they go 0-2 this week. They drop to 1-5, I believe, on the season. So not a great start for our beloved Legion. Um, but Atlanta, they pick up another win um, and move to 5-0 and on the season, which is, you know, par for the course for Atlanta. They kind of do this on a regular basis. Um, so a, a, a big difference between... Um, these two teams, even though the hard point was pretty close, um, only a 25 point difference, um, but search and control were, you know, not that close. Um, any thoughts on this and in, in Vegas, I don't know if they're going to be heading to a blow it up bowl soon, but it does feel like this roster is not clicking at all. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, the big one there, you kind of mentioned it, but Atlanta being five and zero, and most importantly, 15 and three in map count. Um, they're cooking the only maps they lost they lost two in their opening series against boston which you know might lead more to this boston who really knows what they're capable of on some days they look really good some days they don't um and the other map um but so those two maps it was map three and map four against boston uh in the opening series so it was a potential for a reverse sweep for boston but atlanta iced up in the search uh, and then the other one was against Seattle. I'm just scrolling up to find it again, and I lost it. But I think, if I remember correctly, it might have been um, a search. Um, I gotta look it up real quick too. It was, yeah, it was high rise search six four. I think that was a game Draza like went like two seven or something like that. If I remember correctly, that was on December sixteenth though, so literally a month ago. Um, so yeah, those are the three maps. Uh, Atlanta is lost, which literally means their record in all three game modes is X and one. Yeah. Um, which is pretty pretty good start to the season, I'd say. Yeah, six and one in hard point, five and one in search, 
and four and one in control. So um, pretty balanced uh, so far this season. Um, I'm just looking at their stats on breaking point. Um, I mean, it's just it's ridiculous to to look at their stats. Um, overall, uh, they all have above a 1.13 KD, except Abizi, who you know we know he's gonna he's gonna do a lot. He's he's doing a lot on the map, um, and so he's got a 0.98. Um, but also, like KD is not everything, um, and Abizi has, uh, obviously has a pretty big effect on the team. And when you look at search. Um, Draza is the guy that's lagging behind, um, which if they fix, you know, honestly, he probably is playing, um, a little poorly if he's three and 10 in first bloods, but you're also five and one. So who's to say at this point, um, what really needs to be fixed and what does not. Um, but yeah, phase moves to five and oh, Vegas drops to one and five. Um, the real blow it up bowl of Sunday, uh, was, the Minnesota Rocker and the Carolina Royal Ravens. Um, you know, like the idea that people say is like the wor- the two worst NFL teams should play like right before the Super Bowl to decide who gets the number one pick. This would be that game if the CDL had that. Um, both teams, um, when Minnesota entered this uh, game or this match with an 0-4 record, Carolina came in at 1-3. Um, and unfortunately, they did have to field TJ Haley instead of Real, who we had talked about last week. He was potentially going to be out at least a week with visa issues. Um, it seems like it's just a temporary thing, but they did have to sub in TJ. And of course, this reunites TJ and Clay after their season with the Vegas Legion. Um, so um, we kind of, it, it was an interesting substitute. Um, and it was a very, very close uh, match, even though the, the the final result would not say that, but reality would say that. It was a 250 to 242 invasion hardpoint to open the series. Minnesota ends up winning. Accuracy drops 26. Um, so that you know that's pretty interesting to see the old man. He still got it in respawn. Um, 6-2 for Minnesota in search, 10 kills from Linz, and then a 3-2 invasion control which has become a gigantic trend in the cdl 3-2 in favor of minnesota vivid drops 35 lens goes for 32 um tj i think he was complaining that he couldn't overclock his um his controller so he's having a little bit of trouble with that but he still went for 33 in the control um despite the loss um but yeah both teams now sit at one and four uh, two of, if not the two worst teams in the CDL, five matches in. Of course, that's not a great sample size, and we haven't even gotten to our first LAN event yet. But um, do you foresee any roster changes coming for any uh, or either of these two teams as we kind of approach LAN one or after Major one? It's possible after Major one. I don't think anything will happen. You know, outside of continuing visa circumstances for Carolina, but um, you know, kind of we, uh, I in particular, kind of was gassing Goddarex and was really excited for him to uh, be back in the league heading into this season, and he just hasn't performed up to par what I myself and probably many others were expecting. Um, there is the caveat though that he he did perform very well on land um, back in the MW 2019 season, then the COVID stuff happened that led to the online switch and that kind of 
uh, hurt his performance. So maybe it's just a situation where he doesn't play on play as well online as he does on land. Um, but it, you know, barring some last minute change here, he'll he'll have at least have an, a losers bracket opportunity to show what he's capable of. Uh, on land again so that'll be a very big match for him assuming he's still in the roster but i have been impressed with gwen's performance um he he led the way in map one in this one even though it was a losing effort um and you know he he had that ace back in the round 11 against vegas that uh was carolina's one win um there's been other moments that you know can't think off the top of my head but i, I feel like he's played very well this year um and in a year that might be dominated by uh, teams without a rookie, um, the rookie of the year could go to a player who doesn't actually end up winning an event. And uh, I got to say, especially before uh, this last map of the match of the day uh, on Sunday, uh, I think Gwen has got to be one of the front runners for rookie of the year at this point, despite Carolina's struggles as a squad. Yeah, statistically, he is the the best team on uh, or the best player on the team. Uh, nobody has over a one a point nine two KD except him at one point one two. I'm having a really hard time speaking. Um, but you know, kills per ten minutes. He leads the team. Um, he's he's pretty close to Clay in damage. Um, OBJ, he's second on the team. Um, so you know, he obviously is the best player pretty much in every single statistical category for uh, Carolina at this point. Um, but like you said, it, it's going to be hard for, I think, some people to vote him for Rookie of the Year if they are one of it, or certainly the worst team in the league. Um, if they're not winning matches, then it just it's just how it is. That happens in traditional sports all the time, too. Where you know you you could be a really good quarterback, but if your team is four and thirteen, you're probably not getting rookie of the year over a you know a player that goes to the playoffs or something like that. So uh, we'll see. Obviously, a lot of time left. Who knows if this roster will resemble what it is now uh, at later points in the season? Uh, but yeah, he has had a really good start to this uh, rookie year for him. Uh, next match: New York versus LAT. Um, not a huge surprise in terms of results. Uh, the subliners win 3-1. Uh, LAT dropped to 1-5 on the year, which is, um, it's not good, I, I don't think. Would you would you hazard to say that, that it's not a good start to the season for the Thieves? Um, I don't think they were expecting to go 1-5, even though, you know, Nate shot and, you know, when we were talking about um, kind of the logistics or the financial aspect of LAT. Um, it was, you know, during the end of last season, uh, Nate Shot said it was kind of like a rebuild, so to speak, how they were, you know, getting rid of their championship players and bringing in younger, you know, ostensibly cheaper players to kind of replace them. Uh, but one in five is also a pretty bad record. Um, and they haven't been super competitive um, in some of these matches, even though um, it wasn't a blowout in any of the respawns, um, but a 6-1 result on search. And, um, yeah, just not a good start of the season. What do you – is there anything that you can think of that the LAT needs to really fix immediately um, or any – or is this just uh, kind of going against New York um, is is a tough challenge. Um, they went against Toronto also this week. That's a tough challenge. Do you kind of just chalk it up to, you know, you play two of the best teams in the league and you you're probably going to lose anyway? Um, I was just looking for this uh, too. There was a situation on uh, Twitter 
in this one where um yeah the methods thing methods yeah it was essentially saying there might be some stuff going on behind the scenes and then jcap immediately shot that down I feel like we've been talking about jcap a lot in this uh episode another ego chow correspondent <laughs> um so yeah there might be some stuff going on behind the scenes even though jcap says there isn't um but yeah that you know tough opponents um one thing that definitely stands out in this match in a week in particular where we saw a lot of the 3-2 invasion controls. We see the Thieves take a 3-1 here, which means they won an offense at one point. I don't really remember the map, to be honest, but, um, you know, that that's a little interesting. But, yeah, I mean, you know, they got a lot of talent on that Thieves roster. We, we've talked highly of Afro in the past, Cami, former MVP candidate all the way back in Cold War. Uh, and, you know, we saw some positives out of Joe Deceives on a struggling LAG team last year, and we saw some strong positives out of Ghosty uh, kind of like, you know, filling in for, for Optic and, and doing a good job there in his debut. So uh, the squad has potential. just seems like they're not able to put it together right now just yet. Um, but, you know, historically, we have even seen the, the LAT roster that uh, – won champs right they they you know most famously heading into boston last year they they were struggling in the online uh qualifiers and they made it all the way to the grand finals so you know might be a might be an org thing where you know they struggle in some online qualifiers but they show up on land uh not making excuses or anything though they, they just you know definitely probably not the results let fans uh are expecting but um we'll just have to see where they're able to go from here yeah, the online stuff is weird because LAT is based in LA. Yep. Obviously, New York is based in Dallas. So like that that may play a factor, who knows. Um yeah, I have I have no idea about the, any of that stuff. We just kind of have to base it on the result and you know, like uh, we mention it from time to time about, you know, if it's especially if it's, you know, Atlanta versus LAT, that's a yeah, pretty yeah, big yeah. gap. Um, but, you know, those those kind of games can be a little bit weird, um, but still not a good result uh, for LAT, even though um, this is probably their hardest week um, to go against the uh, two champs finalists uh, from a year ago. But still one five to start the season. Uh, last match of the week was Boston versus Miami, uh, which was another one that I said I was interested in seeing because these both these teams were kind of in the middle. Um, I wasn't really sure what to make of Boston, and uh, we both said that we wanted to see more of Miami, that they would have to win a few more of these matches to kind of get um, at least more respect in, in the sense of like respecting them as a potential championship contender if that were to be the case. Um, unfortunately, they lost both of the matches they had this week. Lost to Seattle in the first match, and then to close it out, they lose to the Boston Breach. Um, but this was a very, very close series. They win the opening hard point and then lose round 11, terminal search. Uh, to Boston Snoopy goes for 12 medals dropped 13 kills in that series or in that map and then a 3-2 high-rise control uh, capsule goes for 32 um, in the breach clutch up and then a 250 to 181 invasion hard point where Snoopy goes for 31 kills 1.82 KD for that map 
Um, so, you know, just a, a very, very strong series from him in general. 1.26 KD across the series um, and a game high 96 kills. Nobody else was even at 80 in this series. Uh, so big series out of him. Um, I don't think he technically counts as a rookie of the year, but he is really a rookie because he only played one event last year. Um, oh, he, so does. he does count as a rookie. Oh, yeah. So he is probably looking at rookie of the year as the front runner. Um, obviously they are not at a good point in terms of their record, but it's still better than Carolina at this point. So um, Snoopy um, an incredible series leads the breach to victory. Your thoughts on this final match of the week. Yeah. You kind of took everything I was going to say. Definitely a, a pop-off performance by Snoopy here. Um, Kind of a little worrying for Miami and the Vamos supporters. Yeah. Uh, we, we mentioned heading into this week, right, against two teams, kind of, you know, especially Seattle. We had them kind of in the similar bracket. Boston probably a little bit lower, but Boston was coming off that win against Toronto before the break and all that. So questions about where Boston really stacks up and all that. Um, but that also leads to those similar questions about where Miami stacks up against the rest of the competition because although they were 3-0, and they were able to get those wins against uh, some teams that are on the lower end of the standings. Um, yeah. And these two losses really just raise more questions about where the squad really fits in, how they're going to perform against you know even better teams than the teams they've played so far. Um, but th they're in a spot because they were able to win those initial maps where they should be able to in the winner's bracket of uh, Major 1 to kick things off. Uh, we'll just have to see how Miami responds to uh, the difficulties of this past week, and it's not going to be easy, especially with their first match on Friday. Yeah, so we're going to look at standings real quick before we move on to the next matches for next week, um, just so we kind of have an idea um, of what kind of is at stake for some of these teams because there's only one weekend left of qualifying matches and of course we're on the same kind of format for majors where the top eight teams begin the tournament in the winner's bracket the bottom four teams from the qualifiers will start the tournament in the loser's bracket meaning they only have you know they don't have any buffer essentially they lose and they're out and they go home so that potentially some of these teams will only play one series um, in Boston and will be flying home pretty um, dissatisfied with the situation uh, so currently uh, according to the CDL the top four teams have already locked in winners bracket spots that is the Atlanta phase the New York subliners Toronto ultra and Optic Texas. Those four teams will be in the winner's bracket, but seeding still matters quite a bit uh, considering FaZe and New York are both tied at 5-0 and and both have uh, 50 points. Toronto and Optic are both 4-1 and and both have 40 CDL points. And then the remaining eight teams are still fighting for those last four winner's bracket spots. Um, at Right now, uh, the Miami Heretics and Seattle Surge are tied at fifth place with 30 CDL points. Uh, Seattle has played one more match than Miami has, so Miami does have the opportunity um, if they went out to secure um, at least uh, the fifth seed over Seattle. Uh, the LA Gorillas and Boston Breach are both at 20 CDL points, tied for 7th place, but Boston has played one more match than LAG has uh, so far, so LAG does have the advantage there. And then there are four teams right now 
at the bottom four. Uh, they're all tied for ninth place. Um, so if the season had ended today, or not the season, excuse me, but the the qualifying period, if it had ended today, the Minnesota Rocker, Carolina Royal Ravens, Las Vegas Legion, and Los Angeles Thieves, they would all start the tournament in the loser's bracket. They all have 10 points, um, but LAT and Vegas have each played six matches, whereas Carolina and Minnesota have only played five. Um, but I, the disparity between these teams is pretty stark. You know, Minnesota and Carolina, they are both one and four, but Minnesota's map uh, win loss is eight and 12, whereas Carolina is three and 14 so far this season. Um, a really, really bad uh, start to the year for the Royal Ravens, and who knows what will happen. Um, I don't I don't know if they've confirmed if Real will play um, this week, but really big two matches coming up for the Carolina Royal Ravens. Um, so th now that we have the standings out of the way, let's get into the actual predictions section of our show. Uh, of course, three matches on Friday, four matches on Saturday, and then three matches to finish it out on Sunday. Um, and then we will finally have the final qualifying um, seeds for Major One, and we'll know who's playing who once we get to Boston. So starting on Friday, January 19th, LAG versus Minnesota a must win for both of these teams for sure right um lag uh 10 points ahead of minnesota um definitely would give them a shot at staying in the hunt for a winner's bracket spot minnesota really cannot afford to to lose this match um you know i, I think they might be able to get out of the bottom four but i i think it would be really unlikely at that point so um I'm going to go with LAG. I don't feel very confident in either one of these teams, but Minnesota has given me uh, more reasons than LAG at this point in the season to not be confident in them. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I'm going with LAG too. But uh, before we move on, I, I do want to give you your flowers. Um, you were heading into the last match on uh, Saturday. You were very close again to a perfect pick'em week, and uh, Miami screwed you and went 10-1 and last week. Uh, putting you at 27 and 5 on the season while I'm at 21 and 11. So uh, you're, you're building up quite a lead there, Mr. Preston. Well, um, I'm about to get back at Miami for screwing me over for my perfect week because I'm not, I'm definitely not picking them against Optic. Um, I'm not going to say that I hope they lose, but I'm not saying I hope they win at this point with them screwing <laughs> over my perfect pick em. I will go with Optic for much less or much. Less? What? I don't It's too late for I'm, I'm going off there. <laughs> <laughs> Toronto versus New York ends Friday's matches. Um, a Banger. yeah matchup of the de uh, defending world champions, the uh, world championship runner-ups. Um, maybe this will be a better result for the Ultra. I'm sure they're hoping. Uh, but I'm going to go with the subliners. They've been more consistent so far. Um, but Toronto, at their best, I think could uh, they definitely could beat the subliners here. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping this is a 3-2 series. Could go either way, as we even mentioned last year. You know, Toronto did beat uh, New York before the eventual 5-0 slaughter in the grand finals. Um, so we'll be. I'm definitely. I definitely have this one circled, and I can't wait to watch it. But uh, I'm going with New York. Saturday, January 20th, Toronto. Uh, they kick off the day against the Vegas Legion. Gonna go with the Ultra. No surprise there. Same here. Miami versus LAG, another very, very interesting match, especially if 
um, you know, either way, if Miami wins or loses um, against Optic, but LAG, if they were to win this match, they would be at three and two, I believe, um, heading into um, the final, uh, the, their final match or no, final two matches of uh, of the of the qualifying period. Um, so this is just a big win, um, or a big match for either one of these teams. I'm going to go with the gorillas. Um, I'm a big momentum based guy, especially in call of duty. It seems like, you know, momentum can kind of swing wildly, uh, with these teams, but, uh, I'm going to go with the gorillas over Miami, not feeling super hot on either one of them though. Yeah. I had LAG down, but I'm going to switch to Miami just so we aren't all chalk across the board with the same picks. But uh, I I definitely think LAG's going to take this one, and I, I would pick them. Um, but, you know, this is another one here where Miami's got to show us what they're they're capable of, and LAG has shown they're able to uh, hang with some of the big dogs, just not get the win at the end. So looking forward to this one as well. I'll just take Miami for the pick em. Uh Next match would be Seattle versus Minnesota. Um, really not sure what to expect. Obviously, Minnesota is, um, they're either going to be two and four or one and five, um, heading into this match. Um, and that's not a good place either way. Um, but Seattle has a chance to get to the four win mark. Uh, I think it would guarantee them a spot, um, in the winner's bracket at that point. Um, so a lot to play for, for Seattle, maybe not so much to play for, for Minnesota if they lose that first match of the weekend. I'm not sure how it'll work out, um, but I'm going to go Seattle. Um, not feeling, you know, the Rocker might be the worst team in the league at this point. Um, you know, Carolina's is definitely there, um, but, you know, I, I'm not feeling confident at all in the Rocker at this point in the season. Me neither. I'm going Seattle. Um, and I think we both are in agreement for the last match of Saturday. Um, Atlanta Faze versus the Carolina Royal Ravens. Um it would be a shocker if FaZe, who have won all but three maps so far, lose to Carolina, who have lost all but three maps so far. Um, maybe that'll that'll change um, at some point, but um, I don't think so. I, I think it'll probably be a 3-0 for Atlanta FaZe. I'm taking FaZe too. And then we wrap up on Sunday, January 21st. Carolina, they start the day. Um, against LAT. I'll go with Carolina. Um, I have no idea. Uh, LAT has, I think maybe the internet will come into play. Maybe the net code will come into play um, because I think some of the Carolina guys are in Carolina. I don't think all of them are at this point. Um, who knows if TJ will be playing or if it'll be Real. Um, it's a big caveat, but I think TJ is is a serviceable replacement player for Real. Um I'll go with the Royal Ravens, but I'm, you know, whatever. It, it, I don't think either one of these teams has proven consistent enough to have any kind of, you know, real faith in them at this point. Yeah, I agree. I thought you were going to go with LAT, so I was preparing to go with Carolina. I was going to say I'm not really a huge fan of it because we don't even know if Real is playing or if TJ, yeah. not to say, you know, I thought TJ did play well uh, this past week, especially given the circumstances of being a late, late fill-in. Uh, but I'll go with LAT for the sake of the pick uh, New York versus Boston. Going to go with the subliners there. Me too. And the final match is potentially a banger, but uh, 
we've seen over the past few years that this has been a pretty one-sided rivalry, um, but this is a new iteration of this rivalry, right? Um, none of these uh, these two rosters have not played each other um, since they've come together. Obviously, Atlanta versus Optic. Uh, Draza, this is his first match against Optic as a member of FaZe um, and Pred. And Kenny, this is their first match against FaZe as members of Optic. I'll go with Optic because they have the history of beating FaZe quite a bit. Um, but I'm really interested either way. And this could be a pretty big match in terms of seeding, especially if Optic does win. That would create some tiebreakers, I would imagine, between some of the top teams um, in the standings. Yep, I'm going to go with FaZe. I, I feel like I, even through all the ups and downs and mostly downs between these rivalry, this rivalry over the recent years, uh, I've stuck by FaZe and it's cost me a little bit, but uh, I'll, I'll stick with them here too. Yep. So that does it for the predictions. Uh, like you were hyping me up, I am 27 and 5 this season after a 10 and 1 week 3. Um, so it's been a very good start to the pick for me, but you, you're still doing pretty well. I mean, there's only six matches between us and I mean, there are like, you know, a lot of matches that we, we do predictions for. Um, so I could really easily have like a three and seven week and pretty much blow my entire lead. But, um, right now I'm 27 and five, you are 21 and 11. You went seven and four, uh, last week, which mostly just comes down to Miami, Carolina, and Boston. So the four or three of the most inconsistent teams at this point, or not really sure what we're getting, um, on a consistent basis with those teams. So um, we'll see what happens. Um, we don't really have a ton of uh, disagreements across the board this week, um, but there are uh, quite a few chances, or there are a few chances for you to kind of catch up and uh, make a dent in my lead. Um, but yeah, that does it for the Pick'em. Uh, I don't think we had anything else. We did talk about the Challengers stuff, um, and we did uh, the Pick'em for... Uh, we went over our pick'em for last week, and then we went over the pick'em for this week. Um, so I think that about does it. A little bit longer of a show, about 75 minutes or so um, at this point. Um, but, you know, obviously, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, wherever you're listening or watching on, whether that is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, um, wherever, um, we really appreciate you guys, um, especially as we go further into 2024 and we keep doing these shows. Um, my apologies on the schedule. It's kind of been all over the place. We're still kind of working it out with my new job to try to figure out when the best time is for both of us. And the NFL has kind of thrown us um, for a loop as well because the Steelers played on Monday instead of Sunday. The Browns played on Saturday, which is just a weird time in general um, to play. Um, but you know, now we don't have to worry about that because both our teams are out of the playoffs and um, I'm officially a Lions fan, at least for the next week. Um, and then if the Lions lose, then I'm a Baker Mayfield fan, I guess, um, for the Super Bowl or for the NFC Championship and potentially the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, that, that about does it for us. Uh, make sure to uh, follow us on Twitter um, at jbink with two Ks at Prez Buyers Podcast Twitter at Ego Child Podcast. Um, next show will be sometime next week. It could be on Saturday, could be on Sunday, could be on Monday, could be on Tuesday. We'll see what happens, but we will be back sometime after the it won't be on saturday um uh, because we won't have the cdl matches to talk about but it could be on a, some of those other days um and we will be talking about the final 
uh, week of qualifiers, how those went, um, and we'll kind of give our preview for Major 1, uh, which is next week, and I think. Um, so we will be doing a preview show. We'll kind of um, breeze through those qualifying matches um, so we can give you a good uh, honest preview our first major preview preview of the season which I, th I always love those because those are a little more free form um, we can kind of jump around we talk about um, each of the winners bracket matches and kind of you know somewhat depth um, and then we get to kind of give our picks um, for the championship and who we think will win, um, who we think will probably get uh, double first rounded or in the case of those loser bracket teams, just first rounded and and have a very disappointing end um, to the major. Um, but yeah, we will we will be back sometime early next week to talk about all of that. Um, and I think that does it. Vink, take it away. Yeah, I'm not going to keep us here any longer because it's almost 1.30 and I am ready for bed. So thank you guys, as always, for the support. Uh, we'll see you whenever we're back. And until then, remember, send the chow.